everyone. This is Gina and Ellie here on another Saturday morning. We are excited to talk to y'all today about a hot or a topic that's passionate or close to both of our hearts. Um, and this is fiber. So we're going to dive into all things fiber today. What is it? How much of it should we aim for in our diet? Why do we want it in our diet? So we're going to hit some fun topics and just dive right in. So how are you this morning, Jean? I'm good. I don't know what it's like there, but it's real rainy here. I'm just looking out the window longingly. <laughs> it's rainy and cold here too. It was, it was like so beautiful earlier this week and then just hits us with the, the cold and the rain again. Oh, Alabama weather. Alabama. <laughs> Jean and I are in different parts of Alabama. That's why we're doing Zoom. So I wish you lived closer, but Man, maybe one day. One day. <laughs> All right. So let's dive in. So what is fiber? Okay, I'm going to just start and then Gina, I'll put the ball in your court. But um, one really important thing to understand about fiber is that it's actually a form of carbohydrate. So the only thing that's specific that's specific is that it's it's a indigestible carbohydrate. And I do quotes. You can't see me if you're listening on podcast, um, but it's it's not that it just our body doesn't utilize fiber at all. Um, it's just not broken down in our stomach when it actually gets to our small intestine, our body can actually, um, utilize it a bit more not to get too scientific, but, um, the main thing to understand is that fiber is not really used as an energy source, right. In the same way that you would, you eat a carb to get energy, um, when it breaks down into glucose, fiber is not like that. Right. So it's an indigestible carbohydrate that we don't necessarily get energy from. So that's how I want to start. Gina, anything you want to add to that? Yeah. And then just kind of touching on what we addressed before and what we want to go into is that this is where the whole idea of net carbs comes in. Hmm. So if you ever have, I think the most prevalent place I see this is on tortilla packages. Yes. Maybe because I buy tortillas a lot. Yes. So it'll say net carbs four, and you'll look back at the package and you'll see 15 and you're like, what does this mean? Well, what they do is they take the total carbohydrate amount and they subtract the amount of fiber in there. So if there were four net carbs, that would mean there's 11 grams of fiber. So just basic math, you take the 15 minus 11 and get that four total net carbohydrates. And that's because again, your body doesn't digest this in your stomach. We don't have the enzymes to break it down. Mm -hmm. Um, like we do glucose. And so then what happens is it gets to your large intestine and that's where we'll, we'll move next, but you don't fully utilize that carbohydrate source, but it does have major benefits. So, right. Right. And, and sometimes, uh, I'll hear people ask me like, how in the world does this food only have you know, two or three grams of carbs. It's a, it's a bread or it's a tortilla. Right. Um, and, and it's usually, you can always go to the, the net carbs, right? Like extreme wellness wraps. Have you heard of those? Those are my favorite. I love them. They're, they taste amazing. And I'm like, how, you know, how do they do this? And you know, it's fiber. We know. Yeah. So, um, all right. So I'm glad you hit on the net carbs. Let's, let's go into the two different types of fiber. So it's important to understand that Fiber is like the umbrella, right? And then there's going to be two little subcategories. So soluble fiber and insoluble fiber. And they function differently in your body, right? Both are good, but um, different foods. Let me turn my thing on. Do not disturb. <laughs> um, <laughs> if you can hear my text coming through. Um, but yeah, so they have different functions in the body and we'll hit on each. But let's just start mm -hmm. with soluble fiber. 
Okay. Yeah. I want you to kind of interject. The, the, the first thing I'll say is just that soluble fiber attracts water. So a way that I remember this is solute. Just think soluble solute. Um, it, it just helps me remember that it's like a, like liquid, like it attracts fiber mm-hmm. or attracts water and it's going to form a gel in your intestine, right. By pulling water in, into the space. So Gina, I'll toss it back in, into your court there and, and we'll talk more about it. Yeah. And, and something I thought was really interesting about when I was diving in and learning more about this, especially soluble fiber, like you said, both are important, but I think a um, little segue, gut health has been a huge hot topic lately in the, the nutrition industry. And so soluble fiber is extremely important in this. And I don't want to get too far in the weeds, but just um, what happened is it passes through your small intestine and your large intestine is kind of the destination where things start to really happen with soluble fiber. And so since soluble fiber can be dissolved in water, right, it attracts the water. What happens is that becomes a food source for bacteria in your large intestine, which is essentially what prebiotics are, right? So this soluble fiber kind of feeds the bacteria in your gut and the breakdown of those then further feed more bacteria. So it's this really cool and complex process where, yes, we want to get fiber for, we just, we know we need to get fiber in, but when you really break it down, it's actually a food source for the healthy bacteria in your gut to flourish. And so that is why the soluble fiber component of the two branches is really beneficial for us. Yes. And I'm so glad you hit on that because I'll have conversations with clients a lot about just the marketing around pre and probiotics. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, Hey, if you're getting enough fiber in your diet, you have the prebiotics covered. That's the best possible way to get it is through whole food sources. Um, and, and then it becomes, like you said, the food for the probiotics. And if you want to, you know, supplement with probiotics, if you're not getting, you know, um, if you can't have dairy and, and stuff like that, like me, I'm a good avatar for someone who's going to benefit from taking probiotics and then getting my prebiotics through fiber. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm really glad you hit on that. And another thing I want to point out about soluble fiber is it's so important for appetite control because what it's doing is it's slowing down the digest digestive process. Cause when it creates that sludge or gel um, it's going to move it's going to just move slower through the small intestine. So then you're going to pull fuller for longer or the large intestines and small intestines. Um, I do, I do want to say too, like think of a chia seed. Have you ever like, you know how you can make chia pudding and see how it's like that. It turns into like a gel when it, yep. the water that that's how I think of it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's, it's just very gelatinous. Um, but anything that's going to slow down the digest digestive process um, is going to make us feel full for longer because it's not just going to go in and out. And so that's a huge benefit for satiety, making sure that you have a lot of soluble fiber for that reason. And I think talking about soluble fiber, hitting on foods that are high in this, um, my personal favorite is oats. I love oatmeal. And you'll probably notice when you have some of these foods we're listing, you do feel satisfied for longer, right? Oatmeal tends to stick with people for quite some time. And so oatmeal is a big one specifically in my diet, but it's also a great source of soluble fiber. And then any type of legume. So think chickpeas, beans, anything like that, peanuts, um, those will all be higher in soluble. 
Oh no. Gina froze for a little bit. Uh oh, you I can hear I can hear you now. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. Um we let's go back to you said last thing I heard was like chickpeas. So um you were saying, you know, different types like peanuts and stuff for soluble fiber. Legumes and then any types of fruits and veggies that skin on them, right? So yeah. those are the main the big hitters, right? There's gonna be a lot of different ones within these categories of soluble and insoluble, but I just wanted to touch on some of the main ones that people probably are consuming already in their diets and knowing what foods to increase to help out with that soluble fiber content. Absolutely. And oats are a great one. Um, I also recently found that a lot of some companies will put flax in their oats. And so that's kind of a double whammy. You can get, you can either put your own flax seed in your oatmeal or other things like Greek yogurt or cottage cheese, um, or you could get oatmeal with flax and that's going to give you a lot of fiber for the day. Yes. Yeah. So that's, um, something really important. And I don't know if it, you said it during the, the breakup or not, but, um, ha- eating, fruit and, and veggies with the skin on it. A lot of the fiber is going to be found in the skin. I know you said, said that I just wanted to clarify, um, make sure people. Yes. So, um, okay. So that's soluble fiber. Now let's pivot over to insoluble fiber and talk a little bit about that. So like we said, with soluble, it attracts water. Insoluble fiber essentially repels water. Right. And, and a way that I like to think about insoluble fiber is it's like the it's like the roughage that is going to, um, help, uh, push things through the digestive system. So, um, it, it, it kind of adds a little bit of, um, friction for lack of a better word, which is, which is good. So it adds bulk to the stool and it helps it move GI con GI tract. Um, so that, that's what I want to say on insoluble. Yeah. And I think there's probably more to say about soluble, but like we talked about, they're both important, right? They both have a purpose. And so soluble fiber, if we're going to pick one of the two, I would say it probably has a little bit more benefit than insoluble, but mm-hmm. it is important for, like you said, it does add bulk to the stool, pushes things through the GI tract and that's needed too. So not quite as specific or in detail as soluble, but still important in when we want to think about foods for insoluble, I really think about whole grains. That is like the big hitter for me there. And if you want to think about the tortillas we were talking about, they have a ton of fiber and primarily that's going to be insoluble fiber. So we, if you, I I eat one of those every day. So I get 11 to 12 grams of fiber just by eating a tortilla, which is probably the easiest thing I do in my day. Right. And if you compare that to something like Dave's killer bread, it's a very seeded bread, right? Which is great. It has like around four to five grams of fiber in a slice. So if you are looking to really maximize your fiber and you can't have two pieces of bread, just because let's say your macros don't allow it, or you just want one, right. Then maybe opt for the tortilla because you're going to get double than what you would get in one slice of Dave's killer bread. So both are good, but you'll learn how to kind of, um, pick, which is going to set you up for success. So, um, but yeah, with, with insoluble fiber, I think you, you hit the nail on the head with, we don't, let me, let me backtrack a little bit. Let's be realistic here. No, one's going to look or quantify the amount of soluble or an insoluble that they're getting like my fitness pal and 
different apps don't necessarily break that down on the free mm-hmm. version, right? So really just make sure you're getting enough fiber and it typically will take care of itself if you have a variety of foods in your diet. Um, but I, I'm glad you differentiated that if we had to choose one, soluble would be more important to to try to incorporate those types of food in your diet. Um, yes. And I, I would 100% agree. Most food labels don't distinguish between the two. Some do, but it's not it's not an every food label staple. It's not a requirement. And so it is, if, if you're not well-versed in the different types of fiber and what food has what, you're not going to know. And so right. just like you said, if you hit a fiber goal and you're eating a variety of foods, I would not stress about it. Absolutely. So we're all about making things realistic and sustainable. So let's talk about uh, why do we want to get enough fiber in our diet? We hit on this a little bit, but I want to throw out four main reasons and then we'll expound on each. Um, But there's four big reasons that you would want a lot of fiber in your diet. One is it's amazing for longevity and just overall health, right? We don't want to get always so caught up in the aesthetics of nutrition or even just the performance benefits because, you know, we all want to be live a long time and be healthy and be able to take care of ourselves. Right. Um, the second is gut motility. The third is it increases insulin sensitivity and just our blood sugar response in general. And then the fourth is appetite control. So we have hit on some of these, but let's just go through and and throw out our final thoughts on each, but, um, I'll start with longevity. Now, it was fascinating to me to look through some different um, studies and research articles um, on the benefits of fiber for longevity. And there is one meta-analysis that was published in 2014, um, which basically compiled a bunch of different studies together. And uh, they concluded that fiber, uh, it it essentially lowers mortality risk for all-cause mortality, right? So Mm -hmm. it would be so beneficial from a public health standpoint to focus specifically on fiber because it reduces your risk of so many different causes of mortality or or your risk for certain diseases that you could think of. So, um, that was really interesting to me is that it's so beneficial for long-term health and like cancer risk of cancer. And, and something that's also interesting to me is if we think about the number one cause of death, heart disease is I mean, in America, there's no lack of heart disease or anything related to cardiovascular health. And something that fiber is not talked about often is anytime you have cholesterol, fiber binds to cholesterol and excretes it from the body. And Mm -hmm. so if we think about what's going on with high cholesterol, heart health as a whole in America, adding fiber into your diet is a very important and useful tool because that's going to help your your cholesterol levels. And so automatically that if that was the only benefit, I can't tell you how many people would have positive side effects by just increasing their fiber. Because like I said, fiber is going to bind to that cholesterol and excrete it. So LDL cholesterol will essentially go down just by adding in fiber without any other changes to your diet exercise. Um, that's a standalone. Well, yes. I'm so glad you said that. That is so important. And another thing too, if you think about I, I heard fiber um, it was somewhere. I forgot where I read it, but they equated it to like nature's scrub brush. <laughs> so if you think I like about, that. I like that. So if you think about, you know, different types of foods that would otherwise sit in your gut for longer than they should think of fiber is just like, it's like cleaning, right? It's scrubbing off 
it's not actually like exactly like this, but, um, it's, it's making sure that you, you get things out of your system that don't need to be there. Right. Um, and you had a great example of, you know, cholesterol and and binding and excreting the excess. So, um, so many benefits for longevity. And then the second is gut motility. So we've really hit on this, but the main thing I want to point out is that it does reduce the risk of risk of cancer, specifically GI related cancers. Mm -hmm. So super important for that reason. Um, yeah, I think that, that one's self-explanatory. There's not much more. It's just things like we said with the insoluble fiber, it, it helps pass your, you know, your stool through the large intestine faster. And so that's going to eliminate a risk, not eliminate, but reduce the risk of those types of cancers. Yeah, and I, think, I think it is important too, to stay that state there that if you are focusing on a higher protein diet, it is going to be really beneficial to also focus on fiber because mm-hmm. It's not that high protein makes you constipated, but it's you you could become constipated as a result of increasing protein and not having enough water and fiber in your diet. So those yes. two things work symbiotically. If if you increase protein, make sure you're keeping an eye on your fiber as well. Fiber. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. <clears throat> and then the third, increase it cr- increases insulin sens- sensitivity and improves your blood sugar response. So anything you want to say on that specifically? No, I just, I'm, the more I'm thinking about this, it's a lot of these um, benefits from fiber you also see from exercise. So I'm just thinking if people did exercise and, and increase their fiber, just those two things, how much improvement they would see in all aspects of health. And so it's just, it's really cool that we have a lot of tools that can really help prevent and improve symptoms of heart disease, Know, risk of diabetes, cancers, just by doing two things. Not, yeah. And that's not even talking about, about a lot of other beneficial, you know, and we've hit these before, but just, it's really cool that we have the ability to impact our health that much. 100%. And we'll kind of throw the last two together, that blood sugar response and then appetite control with satiety. Um, I, I think if, if you can learn as a, as a person how to listen to your body's hunger signals, but also trust your body's hunger signals in the sense of you're not eating a a wholly processed diet. Like most of your food is coming from whole food sources. Then you can, you can check off the box of getting enough fiber at each meal. And you can check off the box of getting protein at each meal. Right. And then when, when those two things are accounted for, you can trust your body's satiety and hunger signals. And I I talk to clients a lot about this. Like if I'm eating a bag of potato chips, I'm going to be hungry. If it's the family size, I could eat the whole thing and I'm still going to be hungry after. Right. Mm -hmm. So I can't really trust my body's hunger signals there because it's just not, my body's not used to foods that were curated in a lab. And we talked about this before in a prior podcast, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, but, um, I I think we, you and I both want for clients to be able Mm -hmm. to eat and not have to track their food for the rest of their life. Right. 100%. And so if you want that, then fiber is a wonderful tool in combination with protein to make sure that you're setting yourself up for being as full, full for as long as possible after meals. Um, and then having a really stabilized or stabilizing your blood sugar between meals so that you don't have these ebbs and flows where you're going to crash, um, from a blood sugar standpoint, because you ate carbs without fiber and you didn't have protein. Yeah. And just in general, it, it forces you to improve your food quality. What I mean, sure. There are 
um, fiber fortified cereals and, and granola bars and things, but just as a whole, increasing your fiber is going to automatically kind of force you to start including more whole and processed foods, which is, which is the goal. So right. I think that's important to remember. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about how much we should look for per day. Um, Gina and I are always going to say, you're not going to have a lot of awareness unless you actually track for once in your life. Right. Um, mm-hmm. you don't have to track all your food, but you don't know how much you're getting unless you quantify it. So, um, I, I highly recommend just maybe for a few days or a few weeks tracking your food to see where you already fall in terms of mm-hmm. daily fiber mm-hmm. intake. Right. And the average American gets around 12 or less. I saw, um, online that 12 grams per day is what the average American gets, but I'll tell you right now, I think it's less than that. I think it's, I was going to say, I think it's less than that too. Um, just speaking from looking at some of my clients' food logs over the past few months, I mean, it's not uncommon to see seven to eight grams a day. Right. And so, yes, I think 12 grams is probably giving people the benefit of it out there. That could have been self-reported food logs, which we know have a lot of error in them. Absolutely. Yeah. So knowing that, um, the, the American Heart Association, Mayo Clinic, um, bunch of different sources recommend about 21 to 25 grams of fiber per day for women. And then for men, they say around 30 grams to 38 grams per day. Now I will preface with the fact that I think this is, I don't think you should go by this just because let me give you an example. So Gina and I both work out a a good bit where, um, more like petite individuals, because we're short and, you know, um, if I were to look at this and say, okay, 21 grams of fiber is my minimum as a female, then I'm going to grossly miss the mark. And I'll tell you why. So we eat about 3000 plus calories per day, right? I'm, I'm throwing that out there because we, with our training activity levels, we, we just eat that much. Right. And so because our intake is higher likely than the average woman who maybe just works out for 30 minutes a day, um, or we're going to need more fiber. So the way I like to look at it is for every a thousand calories, you want to get about 14 to 15 grams of fiber. So for us, that would put us at around 45 grams per day. Right. And that's above what is recommended for just the average man with the stats that I just said. So I think that's very important to point out is that your total caloric intake is going to dictate also how much, what percentage of that comes from fiber. Um, or how much fiber you need to get from that. Yeah. And I would, I would totally agree is it's helpful to look at your total calories and basing fiber off of that. But again, if you have no idea what you're consuming, I wouldn't just be like, Oh, I'm going to eat 35 grams tomorrow. I would track it for at least five or six days, get the average of those days. Cause again, it's not going to be like the exact same every single day. So take the average over the course of five or six days. And then from there, I would tweak up you don't have to go super slow, but I would say no more than like five grams per week, right? Because if you go from eating seven grams to 35, we would like to see you at 35 eventually, but you're going to be real uncomfortable for a little bit of time there. So right. track for a few days, see where your average is. And then every week just increase by five grams. And that is a more sustainable and doable goal rather than going from seven or eight to 35. But yes, I would totally agree that look at your overall calories and base that off of how much fiber 
you need to get in your diet. So using that 14 to 15 per a thousand calories is your frame of reference. Absolutely. And I think if you're just like, Hey, just give me like a, a good goal to shoot for. I think both men and women could shoot for a minimum of 30 grams and be really safe there. Um, I think if you want just a number, that's what I would tell someone who just asked me on the street, try to get yeah, that. kind of a blanket recommendation for, right. And, and I think it's important like anything, truly there, there is an upper limit, right? Too much of any good thing is not a good thing anymore. Just mm-hmm. like you can overeat vegetables and fruit and have negative effects because you can have too much vitamin A in your body or too, you know, you can have too much of something. And so, right. We would not say, Hey, try to eat hundred grams a day, right? There is an upper limit. And so more is not always better in the case of fiber, but I would, I would say that's probably not an issue for most people considering we think the average is seven grams. I just wanted to throw that out there. So I know the type A extreme people aren't like, I'm going to see if I can get 200 grams fiber tomorrow. Like, Like that's not a wise thing to do either. I would say, you know, any more than 60 to 70 is probably really the upper limit there before you start to see some GI troubles in the, like you can now become constipated, right? Cause you have too much fiber. So things are just taking up your large intestine and not moving through anymore. So I would say that would be kind of the upper limit, but there have been studies that have shown 50 to 60 grams and people who have high cholesterol have been beneficial. So don't be afraid to go above that 30, but more than 70 is probably not necessary. Right. And that would also, like you said, just take so much effort to get, it would be impressive. Oh my God, that'd be so impressive. I would like to meet that person. Right. They're, they're probably using psyllium husk and, and metamucil to, to hit that. But, <laughs> um, but okay. So let's kind of close it out with just some of our favorite personal ways to get fiber. And I know you said oatmeal at the beginning, but um, I'll just throw some of my favorite high fiber foods out there. Um, one thing that I love doing at night to kind of satisfy my sweet tooth is frozen raspberries with some whip, a little bit of cool whip or whipped cream on top. And that's great because raspberries are one of the highest fiber foods per gram of weight, right? They don't weigh a lot, Mm -hmm. but they have a lot of fiber packed in and they taste amazing. And so the reason I do frozen is just, I'd, I'd like it better and it doesn't go bad as fast. So um, you could also put some frozen bear- raspberries like in your oatmeal or in your Greek yogurt um, or just eat it by itself like I do. So that has a lot of fiber. And then um, another thing I'll throw out there is is actually popcorn has a good about, amount of fiber. Um, but you just, yeah. you just have to make sure that it's, it's not... Um, that it's not the kind covered in butter or the really like processed kind. So what I like to do is I just buy the kernels and I have a, a, a popcorn maker here in my house and I'll just season it with like a little bit of coconut oil, just a tiny bit and put some um, salt on it. And it's a really nice treat because um, you know, it's, it's nice to have something to snack on, but a client asked me the other day, they're like, what about pirate's booty? Cause I told him about popcorn. And I, was like, <laughs> I was like, maybe it's delicious. <laughs> It's delicious, but you're going to, if you're trying yeah. if you're eating it for fiber purposes, then I would just recommend buying a, a popcorn maker and making your own or, or buying a really clean source of popcorn. So. Yeah. And, and other things I'm thinking that are just simple ways to add in, because I understand adding in like 1 million fruits and vegetables is great, but it's also difficult to do. Um, but just adding different seeds to your smoothies, like chia seeds and flax seeds, even adding like 
sunflower seeds and sesame seeds to salads. That's really easy to do. And you don't feel like you're having to, you know, make a whole nother side dish to go along with your meal. You're just sprinkling into a smoothie or topping your salad with it. Um, I posted a chickpea, a roasted chickpea recipe, and that's really great for adding in fiber and also just adding to the top of salad or just, I try to think of ways that I can just add to the meals I'm already making without having to reinvent the wheel. So what foods can I add to this? And um, we mentioned this earlier, but Dave's killer bread, I love Ezekiel bread too. They're very similar in fiber content. Um, but just adding that if you are having like a salad or a piece of toast, I mean, if you have two pieces of toast, you're at six grams that, I mean, that's easy to me. So just finding easy ways to add it in. But the last one, like uh, we talked about, we love those tortillas that they have a ton of fiber, but also there are cereals now I have, I don't know if y'all have a, a Rouse's in Birmingham, oh. but it's, it's the only grocery store I found the cereal It's called pro granola and it has 12 grams of protein and 11 grams of fiber. And it's like made with egg whites and all of these different seeds. And the one I like is peanut butter. So it has peanuts and anyway, it's absolutely delicious. And I love the fact that there's protein and fiber. I think you probably could order it on Amazon, um, but it's called pro granola. So I like to find little ways that, you know, satisfy a sweet tooth like granola or tortillas. I always make peanut butter and jelly tortillas. So, right. So easy. Right. And then that just adds more variety. And I think the, what I want to end on here and wrap up saying is that you just mentioned, okay. Um, something that has six grams of fiber, right. I at least have the temptation to hear that and be like, that's nothing, right? Like I'm used to looking at protein and wanting 30 grams on a label, right? So just for perspective purposes, if you're aiming for 30 grams of fiber per day, six grams, something that has six grams is 20%. So just keep that in in mind is that you're going to see when you start looking at labels and and Googling what kind of fruits and veggies have fiber, you're going to see a lower gram count, but your target is so much lower than someone who might be tracking macros as well. And looking at your targets that are in the hundreds, right? So just keep in mind, um, six grams is 20%. Yep. And the last thing I have to say, this is why I love EC Sinkowski's 800 gram challenge because it forces you to get your fiber in. There's also a protein component if you're doing her lazy macros approach. And I just feel like those are probably the two main things I would focus on first. If you're someone who doesn't know where to start is tracking your protein, tracking your fiber, figuring out what those goals are. And that's why I think having a coach also helps like, Mm-hmm. Again, there's a, a way to do it that feels sustainable and doable in the long run. And that's not always starting with the end goal. And so knowing that going in 100%, you're going to cover a lot of bases, just looking at fiber and protein. Um, like you said, with EC's model. So, yeah. all right, Gina, thank you for discussing fiber with me today. Thanks Ellie. That was fun. That was fun. Everyone, uh, go, uh, if you want to DM us and let us know, uh, if you took your daily average to see what you were at, I'd be very curious to know kind of where you fell. And if you were at the 12 grams or if you were under the rec, the, um, the average most Americans get, I just find it fascinating. So please reach out to us if you have any questions or anything you just want to share and let us know that you listen. So 